I have a story of really, really cold, as in cold at the summit of Mount Washington. And in 1998, my guest this morning, Bill Powers from Wyndham, decided it would be a good idea to try to hike to the summit. Hmm. Well, we're going to hear that story today because Bill has written a nice summation of it as Bill and Rob tried to do this first on February 14, 1998, and then succeeded in March, a month later, March 14, 1998. Bill, good morning. Thanks for joining me today. And as I read your great summary of this trek, the first thing occurred to me is, why February? Why March? You guys almost didn't make it off that mountain. Yeah, we were, we were extremely fortunate. Um, we had done some winter hiking uh, in this area, in Connecticut, on the Nipmuc, the, the Natchock Trails, other trails in Connecticut, and um, we had recently, uh, within the, the previous two years, uh, been introduced to the White Mountains in New Hampshire and had started to hike, hike them there. First, my wife and I, Cam- my wife Candace and I were hiking them, and then we were joined by our son Rob, who, lo- who just loved it, and to this day, uh, he's an avid hiker. Um, we, um, we chose to go uh, because uh, we had been there in the summer. We had been there actually in the fall as well, and we wanted to uh, see what it was like to hike in the winter. And uh, we, the, first, the first time we went out, we, uh, we, we got a, uh, a, a, guy, a guide to help us uh, on our first time in terms of uh, getting the knack of it and some of the training that you'd have to do in order to, for instance, arrest a fall if you started to slip and so forth, and how to use the uh, winter axe uh, and crampons and other equipment that you would need to use, uh, number one, to protect yourself, and number two, to to keep yourself from from falling. Now, Bill, I went up there several times, including about four years before you did, in the wintertime. It was April, but trust me, it was winter up there. But I got a ride up to the top, spent the night there in the bunkhouse, you pay for this, and then actually walked halfway down. And I can tell how cold it was up there then. On that trip, they give you a checklist of 18 things you have to bring. It was April. I got a good deal, a discount, because it was springtime. NASA's had half that stuff on sale. Only one of them I didn't need. That was crampons, which you just mentioned. So talk to me about your trip. You talked about things you needed for the trip. Were there things because you'd hiked in Connecticut you already had, or because of the extreme conditions in the winter on Mount Washington, you had to go out and get some stuff you didn't already have? It was actually both, and we were we were allowed by, uh, by Eastern Mountain Sports was the uh, school that we went to, and they had, uh, if you're familiar with North Conway, they have a, a, a store there, and we were able to, as well as the school, and we were able to uh, rent the uh, equipment, the other equipment that we did not already possess. Um, for instance, uh, some special boots uh, to keep your feet warm. Um, yeah, we, we did not have an ice axe. One of us had an ice axe. Uh, we, we, at that point, we did not have crampons, but since have, have gotten our own crampons. So, um, that that was we had. So to, to answer your question, yes, we we had some equipment. Uh, we had a dress in layers. There were special special masks. Uh, we wanted to avoid uh, freezing our skin, so and frostbite. Uh, so we we had we had mo- much of it, uh, but we didn't have some of the hardware. 
Freezing the skin and frostbite. Let me put this in perspective. According to the summary that you wrote, on your first trip, Valentine's Day in 1998, the wind chill was 72 degrees below zero. You didn't make it to the summit. Why would you give up on that one and try it again a month later successfully? Well, actually, it was, it was a traffic problem. When we got to the school, there were two large groups ahead of us with, with their own guides. And unfortunately, some of those folks weren't prepared, didn't bring... You mentioned that list of all the items that you're supposed to have. Some folks didn't have them, and they had to go and, and run and get them up to the staff. And the other thing was that some of their folks, or both parties, weren't there yet. We're late arriving. And so we, we got held up, and uh, we eventually we got started uh, actually a little bit more than an hour later than we should have. Um, the guide was adamant, as he should have been, that... There's a turnaround time. If you're not quite at the top, we were we could see the summit. We were almost there. We're about a mile from it. Uh, and he advised that we needed to turn around, number one, because of the brutal cold and the fact that it was going to be getting even colder, and, and, and so we'd be able to see. We had lights, but, he, you know, it was our first time in the winter. He wanted us to be, he wanted to be safe, and he did the right thing. He turned us around like he should have. But you were determined to make it to the summit. So on March 14th in 1998, which you did eventually succeed, the weather forecast as you left was for light snow and moderate winds. How'd that forecast work out? It didn't work out too well. They were wrong that day. Uh, my son and I, uh, the previous summer, had, learned, had joined the, uh, the weather observatory at the top, which, which you've already mentioned. And uh, we called them the day before to, to let them know that we were coming because we're members, and they'll allow you to come in if you're a member. And uh, we, we, we got, we, uh, when we got to the top, they, fortunately they let us in. And uh, they, they knew we were coming. But when we checked the weather just before we left uh, to, to, uh, to hit the trail, um, it, that's what the forecast was. And when we got up there, they said there was a, a, a storm that was coming in from, um, from Mount uh, Champlain, uh, and that it, I mean, from uh, Lake Champlain, and that um, it was rapidly intensifying, and we should get out of there right away, as soon as possible. So we 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 gobbled down a, a sandwich, got some water, used the facilities, and we headed out. And this time, the wind was not at our back; it was right in our face, which presented a number of new problems. Folks who know the geography up there know the Tuckerman Ravine Trail or the Lionhead Winter Route. Tuckerman Ravine, by the way, can sometimes have skiable snow until May or June. By the way, there's no gondolas or chairlifts. You've got to walk yourself up. But that's the eastern route up to the summit of Mount Washington, which is the one that you took. So things got worse as you went up. And tell me about the importance of a little blue ribbon. Well, on the, on the way up, um, as you go through the Alpine Garden, there were there were many small bushes in the Alpine Garden. Just to clarify, the Alpine Garden is at the top of Lion Head. It's kind of a flatter area before you get to the summit. Exactly, and um, uh, and before you begin your climb to the summit, actually. So, uh, I mean, the, 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 a major climb, uh, the last climb, and we. Uh, there was a, uh, as we noticed, uh, around here you'll see markings on trees if you're a hiker, and they're, they're usually blue. Uh, sometimes they're other colors, but uh, they, they had marked uh, they had marked the the trail on some of the bushes with a with a with a blue ribbon at the top. And uh, as we were going up, we got to uh, a place where 
between uh, uh, alleged uh, two ledges uh, on this on the on the mountain on the uh, at, at Lion at Lionhead, and um, we we stopped and we we uh, used uh, we, we used uh, our bodies to indicate at, at that point because it was a landmark where exactly the, the little blue ribbon was, and at this point it, the snow was uh, was was starting to mount, but it wasn't wasn't too bad. We weren't in a whiteout condition at that time. And so we we, uh, we we took our bearings from there on the way on the way down, with the snow and wind and, and in our faces, and the wind blowing uh, pretty pretty darn hard. Uh, we uh, we we took our bearings again from there and headed. Although we could not see because it was uh, we could only see several feet in front of us at this point. We followed the trail down. You did not know where the trail was because uh, everything looked the same. It was totally totally covered with 14 to 16 inches of snow at that point. And as I read, you were darn lucky in those whiteout conditions to find that blue ribbon, which you had seen on the way up. What would have happened if you had not found it? Well, uh, we, 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 don't, we, we don't want to think about that, but if we went too far to the right and you couldn't see well, we could have tumbled into Tuckerman Ravine. If we went too far to the left, we would have, Wandered somewhat aimlessly, aimlessly for a long time, trying to find the trail again in, in the Alpine Garden. In near whiteout condition. And tell me the problem you had with your goggles fogging up. How you deal with that? Well, that wasn't easy. We w- that was something that wasn't expected. On the first time that we went up with the guide, um, it was the air was very cold and it was very dry. And of course, there's a little bit. From perspiration from climbing, uh, you would get you know you get a little bit moisture in under under the goggles, but it wasn't too bad. But what was happening here was on the way down because of the storm, our goggles were fogging up and then freezing. That the fog would freeze quickly, and we would have to because it was already white out, uh, but we could see a little bit. What we did was we alternated the lead, one one right behind the other because when the wind was blowing so hard that uh, it was really a painful experience because it was blowing right in our faces, and and we couldn't take we couldn't just simply take you know just to remove our, our our goggles quickly and then clean them off and then put them back back on. That's what we did. But with one one behind the other doing that, uh, it meant that we could then switch place places and 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 at least the one in the front would have would be guiding and wouldn't be blinded by the fog and the frozen, the frozen, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, the, the fogging of the, of the lenses. People who know the geography up there know that at the summit there is the building where the tourists can go in in the warmer months, the Sherman Adams Visitor Center. That's also the facility where the Park Service is able to stay overnight and also the people that are part of the Mount Washington Observatory. But there's other buildings up there, too. <laughs> you thought in whiteout conditions when you got to the summit you had found the aforementioned Sherman Adams Visitor Center. But no! What did you find? We found the TV radio station. Which is a which is a small which is a small building. We we knew of its existence, but the reason we were able to find it is when we got close to it, there were lights on, and lights on meant somebody was there. And we knocked on the we knocked on the door. We pounded on the door, and eventually the fellow who does his, who for years did the, the forecast from the top of Mount Washington came and said, 
what are you guys doing here? <laughs> we said we're looking for we're looking for the observatory. He said the the building the, the building is straight ahead. You can't see it, but just go straight in that direction and you will walk right into it. And fortunately for him, we that's what we did. When we got to when we got to the the, the, the building, uh, they knew we were coming. There was a bell to ring, and they came out through the what was normally the dining room area, dining area uh, from the observatory and let us in, and they were surprised to see us, too. They figured we would have aborted, but they, then they understood what had happened. The TV building up there at the top is for WMUR-TV in New Hampshire. Now, the people who have been there, and many have at the summit, you see those little signs and the people's bumper stickers. In the summertime, it's pretty comfortable up there, but that visitor center in the wintertime, not so much. It was, it was freezing cold. When we left, we had to take our uh, our boots and our crampons. When we got there, we had to take our boots and crampons off to go into to go into the observatory and, and, and left them out there. In a matter of less than a minute, as we came back to put our crampons on, our hands were almost froze. They were fro- almost frozen, numb and, 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 and first stinging, and then numb just from putting our crampons on. It was so cold out there, and the wind was was was, was blowing so hard. And so we went down uh, from there. We left and we started our, our, our hike back down, back down the, 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 to to our, our car where we had parked our car, and uh, into into the wind, into the fierce grips of the of the storm. So from the time you left your car to go up to the time you got back to your car, was that the time when you were the coldest, or was it actually when you were there in forty below wind chill halfway up the mountain? Actually. Um, Actually, because we were we were hiking and exercising, we weren't that cold. And as a matter of fact, as as on the first trip, we had to had to remove a layer on our way up because uh, uh, we were there was there was, there was snow on the ground. But uh, but the fact is, the, probably the worst part of the trip that we had to, to tell you uh, the truth was was going up. There, there's a uh, there's like a, a small cliff that you have to climb, and it's really easy when you have your crampons and you have your ice axe. You just scamper up like a spider running up a wall. On the way down, however, it had snowed. And with all the snow on top of this, it, and it's an L-shaped chute. They call it a chute. It's an L-shaped. And so on our way down, although we had some training with this, we uh, we it was the... We, our crampons or ice axe were having a lot of trouble reaching, reaching the the ice underneath, and we both of us slipped down. Fortunately for me, for us, there were some branches from bushes on either side. We were able to grab them to slow our 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 fall. Uh, my son had gone just before me. Um, fortunately for me, he was able to grab my arm because, like I said, it was L shaped, and when you get to the to the angle. Uh, I would have gone right over the right over the top of a of, of a pretty bad fall. Now this was in 1998. Have you done it since? Have you wanted to do it since? Uh, well, actually, I have done it once since. I've been at the top many times because I was a teacher at Windham. Well, at that time I was a teacher in Hartford, but then right after that I came to to Windham High to teach, and um, I went went up several times while I was at Windham High in the winter because they have a special program. For, on weekends for teachers, and you could just sign up and, uh, and, and and go. I went four times. Once, once, one time wasn't for teachers, 
but they had the weekend. Rob and I uh, both went up at that went up at that point. He climbed that time. I rode up in the snowcat, um, and uh, so I've, I've been up there several times. Interestingly enough, I've never driven up the auto road that you mentioned or down the auto road. Yeah, so your transmission still works. Fortunately, except in a uh, except in a snowcat. Great, great story. You're really lucky to be alive, as nowadays Bill spends more time in kayaks than on mountains. Bill and his son Rob did scale the top of Mount Washington on March 14th in 1998. Bill, great story. Thanks for joining me this morning. Uh, glad to do it. Take care. Have a good day. Stay safe. Bill Powers, our guest this morning on 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.